Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It is uh, 1030 on a Monday morning. Hope everybody's week is off to a good start. And yes, we are here to do what we do every Monday, and that is talk some high school football. Going to be a bit of a change of pace from how we've uh, structured, I guess, the first um, you know couple months of the podcast. Instead of going back and looking mainly on uh, what happened last week, we're going to use a, uh, this is a chance, I guess, these next two weeks just to kind of take stock in our districts as a whole right now. You know, with um, with four weeks left in the regular season, with each week the uh, the magnitude of these games is going to amplify just a bit more. With um, with respect to district title races, playoff races, and the like, so um, yeah, we're going to just um, use today as a chance to look at our five A districts and just kind of take stock in where everybody is at right now. We're just about kind of that uh, that midway point of the district schedule for a lot of our uh, of our conferences. So um, just kind of see who's in the mix for what, and um, just kind of what's on the line over this last month of the season. Uh, all right, let's um, so yeah, why? Just uh, why not start with what is, I guess, at the start of the year, what we pegged as pound for pound, maybe our best district overall that we cover, and that is a five-five-a Division One. This, of course, with two teams that are ranked in the state's top ten, with Denton Ryan and Lone Star, um, and then um, obviously plenty of talent elsewhere between Frisco ISD, the Colony, and whatnot. So let's see, let's um, let's play a little catch up with five-five-a Division One. So uh, so right now, um, at this juncture of the uh, of the schedule, we have Denton Ryan and Lone Star. They are um, they are on track for their big showdown at the end of the regular season, which, which um, will, um, will for all intents and purposes probably be for the district title. Uh, Denton Ryan is 4-0 and in district play right now. Lone Star is 3-0. and then you have um, a, uh, a tie for third place between Reedy and Independence at 2-1. And, and Devin, correct me if I get any of these numbers wrong. I know you got the standings open as well. Then you have um, Wakeland in fifth place at 3-2 and two in district play. Um, and you got to kind of keep in perspective that, you know, there's there's bye weeks. And then you had a couple games that fell through at the start of the schedule. So whereas you have Wakeland that's played five games versus Reedy and Independence that's played three, that's just something that you have to kind of deal with this season. Um, but nevertheless, yes, so Wakeland in uh, fifth place at 3-2. and two. Then you have the Colony half game behind at two and two they're one game up on centennial in seventh place at one and three uh, then heritage is in eighth place at one and four denton high rounding out the mix at zero oh and five um, so yeah, as we mentioned, you know, it's obviously, uh, you know, the, uh, we won't get to see what happens between Ryan and Lone Star until the very last night of the regular season in December 4th. But so far up to this point, those two have pretty much lived up to expectations. Even Lone Star, despite having the, uh, the unusual 0-2 start to its season, they've righted the ship in a big way with, um, during district play. Their, uh, their margin of victory right now in their, uh, in their three district wins, 45.3. So that is very much getting back on track that uh, the offense with uh, with Garrett Rangel, Jaden Nixon, they're making up for lost time. The offense is averaging 59 points per game in district play. And then you have Red Bryan, who's been just as emphatic. I was going to say, I was going to say, even, even with the uh, pedigree that 
Lone Star has, they're going to go into that game as an underdog. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, Ryan's number one in the state. You know, Geyer was able to push them a little bit in that non-district game. But outside of that, Ryan has not really had to break much of a sweat, especially when you look at some of these scores yeah. that they've put up against their district opponents. I mean, their uh, their defense has, um, is allowing less than 10 points per game in, uh, in district play. So those two appear to be head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. Really where that intrigue lies, for me at least, is what's going to happen for the third seed, the fourth seed, and how we're going to get to that point because you've got three potentially four teams that are all within a reasonable uh, distance of, uh, of one another with respect to getting those last uh, those last two playoff spots. As I mentioned, you have Reedy and Independence. They're tied at 2-1. and one. Wakeland is 3-2. and two. And, David, I don't think you can write off the colony yet. You know, Even though they had no. that loss to Wakeland, they're still in the mix of 2-2. Two and two. Um, with, um, you know, with the colony, obviously, they took um, you know, a, bit of a, a bit of a tough one last week to Ryan. As, Everybody's going to take a tough loss to Ryan. Yeah, as is, gonna, as is to be expected. But nevertheless, though, is they're about to enter a, a very pivotal stretch because they have a number of games over this last month that are against those teams that they're jockeying with in the post in the in the standings. So, um, how do you kind of feel right now as far as where uh, where the colony's at at this juncture of the season? Um, I I like their progress. Um, I feel like they've had some good spurts at times. Um, obviously, last week you can just throw out of the window because yeah. Denton Ryan's just Denton Ryan. Yeah. But I mean, if you took a, like the game a couple weeks ago against Wakeland, uh, they're up by I think was it thirteen to three in that game. Um, yeah, yeah, and then unfortunately they had uh, they're up thirteen to three in the first mm-hmm. quarter, and then unfortunately they had five turnovers in that game. Okay, so um, that lead just kind of got out of hand. Um, uh, I, I think is it Jacob Sousa for for, for Wakeland? Uh, he uh, he had three interceptions in that game, and then um, like the uh, Wakeland just had converted four of those uh, turnovers into touchdowns right mm-hmm. there, and that's the thing that kind of concerns me right now about the colonies, just the turnovers. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're still a pretty young team. Yeah, like they they have seventeen new starters this yeah. year. You forget all the talent that they lost yeah, last year. Th- yeah, just, yeah, just 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 a few guys who have yeah. gone on to Division Only One. Only their schools. best senior class ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the road to Frisco's been cut. You know, has has a little road through the colony now that yeah. they have to go through. For so. Sure. Um, but it's a team that, you know, like, despite the turnovers, it's a team that if they can just to keep the game close, they're pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. the offensive line's played pretty well at times. They, they, they've got three really good running backs over there. Actually, four if you add in Kyle Taylor, who's like, you know, a short-yarded situation kind of guy, mm-hmm. who's a very stout defensive guy on, uh, playing linebacker for him. Um, I think if – I think if uh, – like if they can hold off on the turnovers and they can be able to control the clock, you know, mm-hmm. they got uh, Camden Wesley, who's only a sophomore. Yeah. Like a few weeks ago, he had like over 180 rushing yards against Centennial. Okay. Uh, and then also they have Keone Roberson, who's a transfer as well, too. Um, he handled the load last week, you know, with uh, with Wesley out of the lineup and uh, rushed for over 80 yards and a touchdown against a, a stout Red Denton Ryan defense mm-hmm. right there. And then um, obviously um, uh, it's a – it's Roberson. It's a not Ro- Jonathan, not Jonathan. That's a quarterback, yeah. Keone Roberson. Okay, uh, who's they're not related at all. Yeah, but um, he's he's another he's another third option that they bring in right there. So I mean, and obviously Robert Beasley Jr. That was a kid I was thinking about. Okay, Robert Beasley Jr. So I mean, if if you look at the, that run, that running back corp selection right there, if they're able to keep the game close, like those guys can be able to run for touchdowns. Devin, what do we um, what do we kind of make as far as the other teams that are in the mix for that log jam with Reedy Independence, Wakeland? Um, as far as any common games between those teams right now, um, you know, Independence has that loss to Reedy. They did bounce back in a huge way the last week against Wakeland. So, kind of, what do you make as far as those other three teams that are in the mix for the for, yeah, for two playoff spots? I mean, that, that Independence made a huge statement last week. For sure. Not just what 
beating Wakeland, but just dominated. I mean, it was 41-7 to at halftime. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a toss-up in our minds going in mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, we thought Independence might have turned the corner after their 0-3 start. Um, but, yeah, they, they woke up in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, uh, you know, two weeks from now, Independence plays the Colony. And um, I, I think Reed's going to be able to take care of business. I think they've shown to be consistent enough. I mean, obviously, we talked about the two top dogs. But I think that game in two weeks with independence in the colony, mm-hmm. um, you know, you said don't sleep in the colony, don't overlook. I, I think the colony can – because they also have a date with Reedy down, yeah. down, down the road. For sure. Uh, uh, in that uh, week, uh, same week that uh, Lone Star and Ryan play in the, in the season finale. Um, but I really do think that that game two weeks from now with the independence in the colony will will tell you a lot about that fourth and final playoff spot. There's because um, you just you look at the schedule and um, just some of the big games that are left. I mean, we mentioned um, obviously next Thursday though. There's a big one head to head between Reedy and Wakeland as far as kind of sorting out where um, you know where those two and that could essentially be a playoff eliminator. Um, you know, then the following night you mentioned is going to be Independence in the Colony, and then December fourth, last night of the regular season, Lone Star Ryan Reedy in the Colony. Um, there's one thing though that uh, kind of looms over this as far as potential, uh, you know. Potentially making a difference down the road, and that is the element of no contest in this district. Because if you remember at the start of the uh, of the district play, it looked like it was going to be a bit of a rocky road because you had there was the uh, you know the uh, the confusion over whether there's going to be forfeits or no contests or whatnot. But you've only had two games that have not taken place in district play up to this point, and that was um, let's see, it was Lone Star and Independence, and then Reedy versus Dent Ryan. So you just you think about what that could mean though going forward, because obviously, listen, you want your kids to get to play every opportunity that they can, and nobody wants to have any games that are being canceled related to uh, to COVID-19. But if you're going to miss out on a uh, on not having to play someone on your schedule, probably not the worst thing that you don't have to line up against one of those two juggernauts that are ranked in the state's top ten. So for Reedy and Independence to not have a, a game against one of those two teams on their ra- on their radar, factoring into their win loss record, that could be huge going forward. So just something to kind of file away just for um for down the road as we start getting closer and uh, you start factoring in tiebreakers and the like. Um, but yes, obviously still plenty of uh, plenty of football left to be played between those four schools that are all vying for uh, for what appears to be two playoff spots in the uh, in the district. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let's look at – we can stick with f- 6-5A. We can stick with 5A Division I. Let's do just a quickie on um, – actually, no, uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's talk 7-5A Division I <laughs> and this, uh, this district that um, – you know, not sure how much of this looked, um, how much of these standings kind of, uh, I guess, heading into the season, how we would have uh, forecasted this. But nevertheless, though, if we're just going off of what these <laughs> records say right now at this juncture of the uh, of the season, your uh, your district frontrunner right now, McKinney North. That's right. <laughs> Shout out to the Bulldogs, the McKinney North, who started off the season 0-3. They've gotten back on track with three straight wins during their uh, their district schedule. Man, um, so we'll get to McKinney. Right, we'll get to a little bit more McKinney North in a second. So. Um, they are technically a half game, or at least a yeah, half game up on uh, on Highland Park. Highland Park is just two and zero, and whatnot, um, just because of a, a bye week and whatnot. So they just haven't had a chance to you know play as many games as North has. Uh, Longview uh, two and one. You had that highly anticipated game last week between Highland Park and Longview. The two projected uh, front runners for the district title. Highland Park obviously was able to win that one. It was a bit of a lower scoring game than I think expected, Devin. Yeah. Um According to Twitter reports, a little bit sloppy on both sides. Yeah. Turnovers, penalties. I know in particular because the Longview Twitter read was not real happy with the <laughs> amount of false starts that the team had. I guess um, a little bit opinionated on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that was you know we talk about potential game. That was the game of the year in Seven Five A Division One. Yeah. 
uh, didn't quite live up to what we thought it was going to be because those are two potentially explosive offenses. Um, nothing wrong with a good defensive grind out, but, sure. I, but I think part of it was kind of sloppiness on both sides mm-hmm. as well. But uh, Highland Park is able to get that um, get that win, and um, with all due respect to McKinney North, I think that's. That, I mean, the, the path to the district title for Highland Park is pretty clear now mm-hmm. that Longview's out of the way. I still think Longview's the, this, the clear number two yeah. in that district. I think those two, uh, as we were talking about, you know, didn't ride in Lone Star. It just so happens that they meet in the, in the season finale, which is great for drama and building sure. and whatnot. Uh, this was an early season or early district season uh, game between these two, but I still think that they both run the table, just kind of looking at the way the rest of the district uh, plays out, despite McKinney North's 3 0 start. But. That doesn't take anything away from what they've done. No. What they've done is position themselves to be the third place Absolutely. team in that district and to be a playoff team, uh, which some people didn't necessarily think before the season started with what they lost and, mm-hmm. and what they you know were coming through. But you look, I mean, their three wins are against the teams at the bottom of the standings, but those are tiebreaker advantages later on. Mm-hmm. So they're very well positioned as far as that fourth spot goes. God, that's that's tough. I mean, you know, Ty- Tyler, I guess, would have to get the or the edge right now based on their win over West Mesquite. Mm-hmm. West Mesquite's just been kind of a hard luck bunch. You know, that Frank Sandoval in his first year as the head coach, they're playing hard. They're mm-hmm. playing well. They just, uh, you know, they lost to Bikini North 35-32. They had a chance p- potentially to tie it late, yeah. and they just couldn't, couldn't you know, get, get it done. Um but they're not getting blown out, mm-hmm. and you know that that's the, the big thing. I mean, even against Longview, they were com- they were competitive. They they didn't just get run off the field and lose seventy five nothing like mm-hmm. some of these games that Longview's played. You know, yeah. these district foes in the past. Um, so you got to give Tyler the, the slight edge there. But uh, you know, it's again as far as marquee matchups to come. The, the, the big showdown was last week. As far as the uh, the rest of the standings, you mentioned Tyler. They're currently tied with Sherman in fourth place at 1-1. One and one. We just mentioned West Mesquite. Them and Wiley East are tied at 0-3. Yeah, with respect to McKinney North, there probably wasn't a team in the district that played a more just high-wire first two-and-a-half games of district play than this McKinney North team. You know, we talked about their district opener um, against Tyler. That they were able to win 34-24 in a game where they got touchdowns on both defense and special teams, got all three faces to chip in for a much-needed victory there. That game against West Mesquite, you mentioned, went right down to the wire. So, yeah, West Mesquite was driving for a chance to potentially tie the game late. Then, with a few seconds left, they got called for an intentional grounding that forced a runoff of the remaining seconds on the game clock and then allowed McKinney North to escape with a 35-32 to victory. And then McKinney North was tied at halftime 17-17 with Wiley East last week. And then North, yeah, I mean, probably for the, uh, you know, for the first time and maybe all season I mean they just that second half against Wiley East was really the first consistent stretch where it's looked like the offense of old from last season that offense that just put up numbers almost at will they outscored the um, the Raiders 35 to 14 over the last two quarters they got another special team touchdown so they just apparently have a knack for finding <laughs> other points elsewhere um, beyond just the offense it was Jacoby Ballas who um, who gave them a, a kickoff return for a touchdown um, you know they've had to dig a little bit deep into their running back depth chart they were actually having to use a converted wide receiver Taylor Offord um, in the backfield against Wiley East. He ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. J.J. Henry's good for at least one highlight real play a game, it seems. He's having a spectacular season. And, um, yeah, it's... 
it has set them up in a position where now they still have to play Highland Park and Longview. So the yeah. you know the this week will tell you a lot about yes just how good McKinney North is. This is that uh, because they have HP coming up uh, coming up later this week. Um, I'm, at, at, at HP at too, HP which, yes, which, where they're virtually <laughs> invincible. <laughs> Unless you have Marvin Mims or you're yeah. from or you're uh, your Pulaski Academy, they're uh, yeah they're pretty much untouchable in a in Highlander Stadium. I'm more so looking at this game next week against Sherman as far mm-hmm. as being the one that could potentially lock things up for good. Um, that's uh, it's been a matchup that has given North some trouble in the past, um, and it's um, but yeah, I mean, just you look at the nature of the standings right now, and that is a spot where if you're able to get a win over Sherman, it would assure you pretty much no worse than a third place finish. Mm-hmm. Which, given what this team battled through at the start of the season and how much they've lost on offense from last year, that I mean, Coach Fetchy will take that. You know, every day, every day of the week, and twice on Sundays, if they're able to get third place in a district, this, uh, this, uh, this up and down. So, um, so that's kind of a look as far as where things are at right now in um, in District Seven Five A Division One. Did want to, I guess, a, a quick note on kind of where things are at with Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD and their two districts. Um, it's, uh, you know, for. I got to see Creekview in person. We can actually just quickly pivot to 5A Division Two for this one, 4-5A Division Two specifically. I got to see Creekview um, a couple weeks ago against, um, it was Fort Worth Southwest. I get a lot of those Fort Worth ISD schools a little confused since they all look vaguely similar. Um, and this was one that they lost 61-7. to And that's kind of been the story for at least the first month of their season. Offense has just been a chore for the Mustangs. Through their first four games, just 17 points. There was a stretch where so they had a they kicked a field goal I believe it was in the second quarter of their week two game against Irving Nimitz and then from that point up until the second half against Fort Worth Southwest they surrendered over 150 unanswered points <laughs> I mean it was um Ouch. yeah it was it was tough and now they did, you know, they weren't able to find the win column, and it was, you know, it meant getting back on track in a bit of a heartbreaking fashion. But the offense did come to life in a big way last week against South Hills. They lost this game 52 to 51. And, you know, fair play to Creekview because they were down 22 to 0 after the first quarter in this. And for a run based offense, that's kind of a death knell if you're down 22 0 really at any point in a football game. But they were able to come back, make this game, make this a, a game late. But they had an extra point blocked late that ended up keeping this one, um, keeping them down by one point in the end. Um, But nevertheless, though, I mean, for a team that, again, scored 17 points for the first month of their season to get 51 points, they got five total touchdowns from the quarterback, Garrett Palacio. Um, And then, um, I mean, it was all all seven of his completions went to the same receiver. They got a big target out wide. Yeah. They get a, a big target out wide in Sean Salas, who uh, who gave them a, a pretty productive night. He had seven catches for 172 yards and three touchdowns. They got 128 rushing yards and a couple scores from David Thompson, a guy who they were pretty optimistic about coming into the season. Um, but they've had to kind of make do without their expected bell cow in the backfield, Edgar Page, and whatnot. So it's been, a, again, it's been an, a tough start to them. No, nevertheless, they're 0-5 overall, 0-3 in district play. There are, I mean, you look at the rest of their schedule, and there are going to be certainly games that project to be a bit more competitive for them, a little bit to the tune of this game against South Hills. Unfortunately, the loss against South Hills is going to make the playoffs a bit of a chore for them, even if they were to run the table down the uh, down the home stretch. Um, but it all it all just needs to happen up front for them, and that was probably the part that stood out more than anything in that game against Southwest was just how they got overwhelmed on the line of scrimmage. And for a flexbone offense, you kind of need to be able to play your opponent to at least a draw there. 
in the trenches in order to get that run game going. But there were just way too many times where even if they were to fake and go play action where Palacio, he goes back, turns around, he's already got three Southwest defenders right in his face. And so it's just, it's, it's got to happen up front for them. It's been, I mean, they graduated a pretty massive senior class from last year. Over 30 seniors they lost, including a quarterback, Brett Esch, who had been in that system for a long time, plus their best offensive lineman, Jack Parker, who actually is committed to Air Force. So, I mean, they, they've certainly had some talent there up front in years past. It's just been a bit of a, it's just been a rough go for them, um, nevertheless. With, um, with Newman Smith and R.L. Turner, though, if we go back to, uh, to 5A Division One. Over in a six five A Division One, there's um, so I mean Lancaster is doing what we all kind of expected. They have, their average margin of victory to this point has been almost sixty five points per game. They've had numerous eighty point performances by the offense. You know, you knew this was going to happen. You knew yeah. they were going to lay waste to that district, and they weren't really going to get pushed, you know, so much during district play. Um, so they've been. You know, as as advertised, only 13 points allowed total in their four district ball games. Um, but that's the thing is, like with you know, you knew that there was going to be a tax that okay, you're going to take your you know your seven eight touchdown loss to Lancaster, but the rest of the district is going to be pretty competitive elsewhere. Um, as far as the way that those standings have shaken out, at least as far as the uh, you know the top six seven teams go, you've got Woodrow Wilson who's four and zero as well. Now they have not played Lancaster, obviously. Um, w T White at three and one, Brian Adams in fourth place at two and two. Then you've got a tie for fifth place. Between Molina and Newman Smith at uh, two and three, actually take it back a three-way tie because R.L. Turner is in that mix too. They are two and three, and then you have Samuel at one and four in eighth place, and Sunset at zero oh and four in uh, in ninth place. Um, you know, of those two CFBISD schools, um, you know, I think there's there's at least a pathway to the postseason for Newman Smith. Um, you know, they've got wins right now over Brian Adams and R.L. Turner, losses to Lancaster, um, Woodrow Wilson. The one against Molina could loom large down the stretch, though, just because those, those two teams are tied. And uh, Molina was able to get them. I believe 21 to 8 was the uh, was the final in that game. Um, you know, but you look at the, the rest of their schedule, there's a lot of uh, they still have to play Samuel, still have to play Sunset. So there's going to be opportun- opportunities for them to move up the standings. And you want to use that win against Brian Adams, you know, as much as possible to your advantage for tiebreaker purposes versus, you know, Molina. You don't want to obviously. So you have any scenario where you have to use that uh, that 13 point loss, you know, um, in um, in any sort of playoff tiebreaker equation. Um, with Newman Smith, they've um, they've been splitting reps at quarterback between Doug Hill and Alejandro Diaz. Hill has actually been their leading rusher. The big revelation for them, though, on offense has been at wide receiver, where Kylan Woods is number six in the area right now among 5A pass catchers. He's got 537 receiving yards to this point, so he has been um, you know such a such a boost for them. And like I said, there is at least a pathway to the postseason for RL. Turner, there was um, there was a, it was really tough to kind of figure out what to make with this uh, of this program coming into the season. Not only because they had a brand new head coach and Michael Farda. But just because they had such an abbreviated summer because of COVID-related shutdowns and county health orders and whatnot, that this is a team that was really uh, – they weren't even sure heading into the season really who was going to be where just because they just didn't have a whole lot of time to really work together. you know. But you've seen it at least at the start now. One of those wins is a forfeit. They were able to get a forfeit win against Sunset. But they were able to get an actual outright <laughs> win against uh, against Samuel, 13-12. to 12. And I believe if you look over the, uh, over the box score from that game, Turner didn't pass the ball 
one time. <laughs> it was an exclusively a run game. Probably took like an hour and a half to finish. Um, and you know, but they uh, they've attempted only 21 passes all season. It's really been the work in the backfield of Antoine Corona and Donovan Smith that has really shouldered the load for them as far as the run game goes. Um, like I said, they've got those two wins, but the losses have been to W.T. White, Newman Smith, and Brian Adams, teams that are right there in the thick of things as far as that playoff race goes. So, um, you know, those are the ones that are probably going to come back to bite you. So I'm not really sure if there's as clear a path as there is for Newman Smith right now. But nevertheless, though, for our alternative, this season's just about just laying some sort of foundation. And at the surface, I mean, you have your first multi-win season since 2016. You know, this is a program that was stuck in a bit of a, you know, they, they were coming off back-to-back 0-10 seasons just, just so to have some sort of forward momentum right now in that district is, I mean, that's really all that Coach Farda was hoping for out of this first season. So up to this point, you know, it's hard to really quibble with what they've uh, what they've shown so far. Um, so that's a look at um, at six five eight Division One as far as where things are at for Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD. Um, let's then let's talk about um, our other big old heavyweight Frisco district over in seven five eight Division Two. Um, this one, David, you actually just got to see our um, yes, Lovejoy in a bit, so I'll, I'll defer to you in a moment for some thoughts on Lovejoy. Sure. Because right now, and again, this is because one team has played one more game than the other in district play. Lovejoy is in first place right now in this district. They're four and zero. They're uh, they're blowing and going under uh, under new head coach Chris Ross, and um, and they have a uh, technically a half game lead on Frisco State ranked Frisco. I believe is number five in the five uh, A Division two uh, state rankings. They're um, they're three and zero in district play. They um, those two lead the pack there. You have Frisco Liberty, who's been, you know, one of the biggest uh, surprise stories in the area. They are 4-1 and one in district play. They are a, uh, I guess, a half game up on Denison, who's in fourth place at 3-1. and one. You've got Lebanon Trail in fifth place at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Princeton, who's been on a bit of a COVID shutdown recently, they are just 1-1 one and one in district play in sixth place. And then you have a three-way tie for seventh between Memorial, Lake Dallas, and Rock Hill, all at 0-4 in district play. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit of Lovejoy. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, you got to see this uh, this this offensive juggernaut in person last week as they made short work out of uh, Frisco Memorial. So, um, so David, what was um kind of your big takeaway from getting to see this uh, this Lovejoy offense in person, and um, just what did they show you on Thursday? <laughs> They're just a well-oiled machine, for real. I mean, it, it start it started up front with you know on the offensive line with these guys because even like even like when it looked like they were. Like they're doing like a short running play, they would get four or five yards every play. Really? Yeah. So I mean, it started up front. You have uh, Gage Harrison, Trent Robinson, Gavin Burkhart, Parker Braithwaite, and Dylan Bro on the offensive line, and mm-hmm. and this like they just had like they had almost five hundred yards of offense in that game right there. That's kind of been par for the course. It feels like what's that? That's kind of been par for the course so far. It feels it, like it has like yeah. So I guess they just followed this script again against a. Uh, a, m- a memorial team that's just you know had so so many close losses this year for sure um and the thing that like it, it just cl- clicked from the start right here they love joy scored on each of their first seven possessions right there mm-hmm. and um they 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 had control of this game from from the get go um uh like it seems like early on they were just intent on you know getting like the deep threat going on mm-hmm. right there with Reed Westervelt um and they, they he got a couple of touchdowns there in the first quarter out right there um and I'm trying, trying to think uh, who else they have. Uh, Jackson Lavender and Luke yeah. Mayfield. I mean, they, he he got them involved as well too. They both had uh, touchdowns as well too. Uh, Lavender and Mayfield they combined for uh, 145 yards on just nine receptions right there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So if, if it's not just Westervelt, it's not just Westervelt that you have to worry about. It's these guys as well too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they've and also the 
it shows not only the passing game, but they can run the ball as well too. Um, it was it was a pretty balanced attack. They had over two hundred. They had two hundred seventeen rushing yards as well too. Um, Isaiah Smith is always a threat whenever he's down on the goal run right there. Mm-hmm. Um, he had he carried not twenty times, but uh, he had two touchdowns and and then almost 100 yards. And then uh, if it's not just Isaiah Smith that you're having to worry about, it's Matthew Maynard. Mm-hmm. And he got 85 yards on 24 carries right there. And so um, this is a team, like, uh, like you know, that, that can just beat you in so many ways. And uh, obviously R.W. Rucker, who's their quarterback right there, you know, mm-hmm. we saw what he did his junior year, and it seems like he's continuing to, like, you know, involve his game even more this year on on thursday night he had it was he, he only attempted 18 passes but he completed 15 of them and he actually had more touchdowns than incomplete passes man <laughs> so yeah so this so this is a lovejoy team you know like that that's you know six and oh i feel like you know that they're, they're going to contend with frisco for the top spot in the district mm-hmm. and those two teams actually meet next week yeah it's that that's it's a fun one on on the docket pretty soon between lovejoy and frisco lovejoy's offense up to this point averaging 49.3 points per game in district play they did get to survive their little dose of adversity you know a few weeks ago against denison where they were down heading into the fourth quarter had to mount a bit of a comeback there they were able to survive that trip out to munson stadium um so they've uh yeah i mean you mentioned reed westervelt he's currently Currently leading the area in receiving yards among 5A pass catchers, 703 receiving yards, 10 receiving touchdowns. Rucker, he's fourth in passing with 1467 through the air. The big stat with him, though, only one interception. There's no other quarterback in the top 10 in the area that can say that. Um, so he's been very, very efficient with the football. It's been, I mean, we saw this with Coach Ross at, uh, at Red Oak at his previous stop, where he was only there for two years, but he turned that program around in a heartbeat. And this is just kind of his impact. And he's got Lovejoy off to a uh, its best start in a, in a long time. And yes, we'll finally get the long-awaited matchup between them and Frisco. Uh, that game is next week. And um, I believe it is, it is in is in Frisco, yes. Yeah. Um, and there's a and then there's a number of big games that we still have left to go because Frisco, they've got a game against Denison coming up on Friday, and that's the Denison team that is actually the last team to beat Frisco in district play. That was that weird game last year that was only ten to seven. So I mean it's you know, and a lot of those same pieces are still intact for Denison. So that's a game of intrigue later this week. Um, you know, so as far as you know, kind of elsewhere in those uh, in the standings right now. You know that Lovejoy and Frisco have kind of separated themselves as the as kind of the top two in some order. Um, with Liberty, I mean, uh, you know, Devin, they've been such a fun story this year with the emergence of Keldrick Luster as just this stat stuffing superhero of a quarterback. And but last week though, yeah. they had to dig a little bit deep because they did not have Luster in the lineup, and they were. Um, How about Will Glatch? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, so I mean, what a luxury to have. Yeah, though. they were able to pull out a, a it was forty to thirty five over Lebanon Trail in a game of there. Actually, were down yeah. you know, parts, so they had to mount a bit of a, a bit of a comeback in this one. But yeah, if you're not going to have your starting quarterback, why not just go to the guy who started all <laughs> all ten games for you last season in Will Glatch, and he was able to help him uh, pace the way to the victory. Jonathan Bone, huge game for him, 200 yards rushing. Um, but nevertheless, though, what do you kind of make of this Liberty team up to this point? Is this was your um, I think back to our last of our our preseason podcast, and this was your bold prediction that Liberty was going to be able to make the playoffs after a what was it one and nine or zero and ten last season, or it was a, a they had a rough year last year in, yeah. uh, in 5-5A Division One, so they dropped down a classification. It has really – it has done wonders for this program. Yeah, and, and obviously I think last week was a defining win um, just because of where it puts them in the standings. Yeah. I mean, they control their own destiny. I think a, a win like that without your starting quarterback um, – 
you know, to be able to rally from a deficit. I mean, there's just so many ways that that builds that team's confidence, for sure. uh, you know, for what they were able to do last week. Um, you know, it's not not done yet. There's still work to do. Um, but, you know, in terms of I, I mentioned the confidence, but also, you know, potential tiebreakers down the road. I think that that win is huge. Um Going forward now, I don't know the status of Keltrick Luster. I don't know what his future. I, I don't know exactly what if he's if this is a one game thing or mm-hmm. if this is a, a long term thing. But uh, I mean, like you mentioned, you know, to be able to uh, pull a guy off the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, where Will Glatch is, is one of the leading tacklers on the team, he's yeah. excelled, uh, you know, on that side. But to, to be able to, uh, to to call on a guy that has that experience, and obviously he showed it last week uh, with a tremendous performance. Um, you know, we talked about the uh, the Lovejoy Frisco game in two weeks. That same night, Dennis and Lebanon trail play. Yeah, and I think that may be for your fourth and final playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, Dennis is just, still could make some noise for the top of the district, particularly if they were able to uh, repeat their uh, upset of Frisco. Mm-hmm. But I, I think uh, based on what you know, I think we. Lovejoy and Frisco have kind of separated themselves as the, the top tier. Um, but I think Lebanon Trail, despite losing last week, they sh- they're right there. Mm-hmm. They're on the cusp. And this yeah. is a third-year program. Absolutely. Uh, this is a team that, that – a program has continued to grow. They're making strides. Um, and they're right there. I mean, they, they – if – if that comeback didn't happen last week, we're talking about Lebanon Trail potentially being able to compete for the district title. So I think that you know that same night as the big showdown at the top, I think that Lebanon Trail Denison game in two weeks is going to be huge. Yeah, that's something that just needs to be kind of kept in perspective. This is just a third year varsity program, yeah. so for them to already be in position to just just say they're even in position to qualify for the playoffs in a district that is this talented with so many experienced programs, it's certainly a, a good spot for the Trailblazers to be in, regardless of how the next few weeks go. With Liberty, yeah, you look at those, especially those last two weeks of the season, you know, when they're, they're at, uh, at uh, Denison on November 27th and then they host Lovejoy on December 4th. So if they're able to have Luster back in the lineup, then those are potentially ones where you could, you know, elevate your standing to potentially a top as high as a top two seed. Um, but yeah, Liberty has been blown and going so far. They've looked spectacular. Um, you know, David, uh, obviously not the, not the season that Coach Young over at Lake Dallas envisioned no. for, his, uh, for his Falcons. Um, you know, they're 0-4 in district play right now and um, they, they were able to score a bit on Denison last Last week, but um, that Denison ground game just a little bit too much. So, um, you know, with them right now, what do you uh, what do you kind of make as far as where Lake Dallas is at as they try to find some way to uh, just to save a little bit of face there down the stretch? Uh, I think that's a team that that's look like it's still a very young team. They got a lot of sophomores on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, we're discovering the, the the surgence of this uh, young running back named Andre Minifield. Yeah. Um, he had he's had over 160 yards, you know, a couple times. Uh, I remember the game I saw against Lebanon Cheryl. Like he had, a, even though the game was a little bit out of hand, he still had like you know a huge touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. Like it was over 50 yards, and that was a time when Lake Dallas was really struggling, you know, to generate like big plays. So I think going forward, he's going to be like you know one of your top threats, you know, you know going vertically, mm-hmm. and he can do both, you know, running and passing as well, to, and receiving, I should say. Um, and for Lake Dallas, I think they just. You know, uh, it seems like, you know, the playoffs is, you know, it's, it seems like it's kind of out of the question right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the way how things are going. Um, you obviously had that strong start to the season against Denton, but it seems like it's just been a struggle ever since, you know. Like, you know, they've had some trouble. They've had been able to string together some drives, but just being able to finish some drives and being able to, like, hold on to leads, that's something that's been a little bit concerning as well, too. Um, but, I mean, going forward, I think, you know, the, I think they kind of see what they're looking for in their future. I think mm-hmm. they're trying to finish the season strong 
you know, it's not about wins or losses from right now. It's just building for next year uh, because they do have some really good talent, you know, coming back next year. Um, even though Trevor Moons are starting quarterback and he's a senior, like their backup quarterback, uh, 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 Brendan Soresby, who's a junior, like he's coming and doing some good things in relief as well too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like we want to see like how he's going to, you know, handle the last few weeks of the season right there. Obviously, Minifield's one option. And then uh, Micaiah Brooks, you know, he had a touchdown earlier in the season against Denton. Like, you know, he's a he's a maybe a, like a deep threat for you earlier, like, you know, going forward. So mm-hmm. I think for now, for Lake Dallas, it's just an opportunity to see what you got for the future. And there's a couple games, you know, down the stretch for them that should be at least a little bit more winnable in terms of getting yeah. into I the district. I think next week against on. Prosper Rock Hill and then the following week against, I think, Memorial. Yeah, Memorial. Yeah, because, yeah, they don't have their bye week until the last no, week of the regular they season. Like 10 so. straight weeks. Yeah. So Actually, they don't this year because they had that uh, the COVID. Yeah, so, yeah, so. it's been – otherwise, it's been a pretty seamless district schedule as far as games happening. Only Princeton, you know, which has come, come under a, a recent uh, two-week shutdown for uh, for COVID reasons. Games against Lake Dallas and Frisco, um, you know, have not materialized for the uh, for the Panthers in that respect. Um, but, yes, a look at 7-5-A Division Two. We can close out then, Devin, with a look over at 6-5-A Division Two with uh, with Mesquite <laughs> Poteet in a district that is – I mean, you talk about – I mean, if we've only had just one shutdown to worry about in 7-5-A Division Two, it has been the exact opposite in this district. I don't even know the total number of games that have been decided by forfeit, but it is a ton. And, and not, of all, not all of them are COVID-related. Yeah. Some of them have just been programmed that they decided that we're not going to play this week. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. And again, uh, this is the BISD. We don't have a lot of, you know, don't often have a, a team with the DISD schools. A lot of times they're in their own district by themselves. Yeah. Um, but this is one, a, a district that's proven to be very top-heavy like we thought. Mm-hmm. We thought it was going to be a uh, – I mean, even though if you look at the settings right now, you have South Oak Cliff and Kimball tied for first place. But um, that the district championship was settled a couple weeks ago when Poteet and South Oak Cliff played. Mm-hmm. I, I think South Oak Cliff obviously won that game. I, I do think that even though Kimball is 4-0, I think Poteet's the second-best team mm-hmm. in that district. They play in week 11. Yeah. Um, I think that'll be for the second seed. Um, I thought, you know, maybe Seagaville might be a little bit of a problem for Poteet. Um, but they got beat by Hillcrest last week, 55-38, uh, to 38, uh, a Hillcrest team that Poteet beat by 30 early mm-hmm. in the season. So uh, not so much anymore. Um, I, I do think, you know, Hillcrest, that, that gives them the edge on the fourth playoff spot. But in terms of the district title, I, it's hard to see anybody beating Sock. Uh, I mean, they're just – their their defense is – is just tough, and, and they held a, a very good Poteet offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jalen Police is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in terms of being run past uh, guys in the area, and uh, they just smothered him uh, for the most part. Uh, I, I do think Poteet, though, uh, can close strong and, and be that second seed, and I think Poteet's a, a team that, you know, people are going to kind of look at that district and say sock, but Poteet's a team that can make you know, be able to come out there and, and surprise some people once the playoffs roll around. As far as the standings go right now, you have Kimball and South Oak Cliff tied for first place at 4-0. and uh, Poteet one game back at 3-1. and uh, Seagaville in fourth place, 3-2. and Hillcrest fifth place at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Then you have Spruce in sixth place at 2-3. and three. A seventh place tie between Conrad and Thomas Jefferson at 1-4. and four. And Adamson in ninth at 0-4. Uh, oh I mean, just uh, as far as just those, all the forfeits, just as, a, as an example as to how it's impacted one specific school schedule. Thomas Jefferson has played, uh, technically they have five district games on record. Four of them have been decided by forfeit. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's right now it's a, it's a bit of a, uh, 
everything below those top three is a bit of a head scratcher week in, week out, as far as how many of those games are even going to get played. Um, but right now, it does feel like you at least have uh, an idea as to who the top three are as far as the big games remaining, though. Kimball, I mean, we get to learn a lot about Kimball those last two weeks of the season, because yeah. that's when November 28th is when they play South Oak Cliff. Both teams project to be unbeaten heading into that uh, into that big showdown there in the penultimate week of the regular season. And then, as you said, Devin, things wrap up December 4th between Poteet and Kimball in a game that could very well be for the two seeds. So that's a look at where things are at right now in 6-5A Division Two, And that is a look at where things are at just in our, our 5A districts in general. Like I said, still uh, plenty more to go over these next four uh, these next four weeks of football and plenty to be decided with respects to district titles, playoff berths, all that good stuff. But yes, nevertheless, a look at where things stand as we um, as the home stretch draws near. So um, yes, that'll be it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, folks, you take care and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.